0: good evening thank you for being here tonight it's great to see so many people in church on sunday evening this is a place of hope uh, the world needs hope we need hope and it's great that church is full uh, tonight I echo what pastor Reese said about the kids church weekend well done uh, to all the leaders that are away with the kids and stuff uh, what an impact you will have had upon these young lives And the reason, as I've said before, as we do the camps is not uh, just that the kids go away and have a good time. I know the memory verses, the Bible stories, the Bible lessons, uh, just even the relationship building uh, with the leaders of the kids' church has an impact on these kids uh, for years. I still have people come to me all the years after we did the kids' weekends and youth weekends and... um, Man, you remember that time you took us away uh, to Moyallen, and Greenhill and all of that, all the stuff we did, 15, 20 years later, which I think is amazing and stuff. Do you remember that time you slapped me with the attitude? No, not that bit. You're not allowed to do that bit anymore and stuff like so. But listen, we so appreciate. But listen, what goes on at Kids Church Weekend stays on Kids Church Weekend. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, listen, uh, and if there's no witnesses, it never happened. That's the way you have to look at it and stuff, okay? So, be very careful here and stuff. Uh, a lovely bit of news as well, I know some of you will have heard this, but Ronnie Oliver became a granddad today. Yeah. Hey. A little baby boy, Easton, six pound, two ounces, that's just for the women. Women always like to know the weight, don't they? <laughs> six pound and two ounces and stuff so uh ronnie has been grinning from when he turned up to church this morning and he just had to grin see when it eventually wears off it's like you know but we're so delighted for ronnie uh he's become a granddad the first time uh today and stuff Let, let's just come to the word father we come before you today we thank you lord gathered in your house with your people Father, you are doing so much in our church, the youngest to the eldest. Father, we thank you for the privilege that we have to be a part of what you're doing. And Father, as we come tonight, we come around your word and as we pray every Sunday. Father, let your word have an impact upon each and every life in this place. Father, as you move by your spirit, your word is living, it's active. It's not a dead word. It's not a word that was relevant for a long time ago that father it's a word for today because you still want to speak to each and every one of us and so father we just thank you as we come around your word we allow you lord to have your way in this place in jesus name amen continuing on with our series through matthew if you were here uh, this morning uh, tim did an excellent job of starting us off the beginning of chapter 10 chapters 10 to 12 as we heard this morning is two themes it's a theme of uh, Jesus, the person, and the mission that Jesus has. Matthew is writing about the kingdom of God coming. And this morning we heard about uh, how he gets ready to send the disciples out because there is a message uh, that, that needs to be shared with the world. There's a message that needs to be spoken. Up until the point of Jesus, this point in chapter 10, Jesus has done the teaching and the preaching he's done the miracles to reinforce his teaching uh, and we've been looking at that over the last few weeks the impact that Jesus has on people's lives individual lives and so as chapter 10 he gathers the disciples and it's broken down into parts like the other chapters are that we looked at the beginning is the sending out of the disciples the middle part of the, the chapter 10 is the persecution that they will face and we're looking at that next Sunday And tonight is really the thought of of not being fearful of doing uh, what we're called to do, but what Jesus has sent them to do and the lessons that we learn from that. Because in chapter 10, the disciples are sent out and Jesus makes it clear. He said, listen, you're going to have to preach a message that's not acceptable to people. To most people, it's not acceptable. They're not going to... Be that interested to stop and let you preach and want to listen to it and stuff. But it's a message the world needs to hear. And his description is that he's sending the disciples out as sheep among wolves and is preparing them for some of the things they should expect, as far as persecution and trouble and even death, as that may come for all of the disciples, actually, for if you know anything of their history. Uh, all of them uh, by Judas Iscariot there the, was all of them met their death uh, as martyrs for the gospel that they gave their lives of what they believed he said the idea that somehow it's just you know when you become a Christian and you know you will just receive boundless boundless blessings and an easy easy life is just simply not true And we can give you countless examples of personal uh, examples of people in this church who have been through some difficulties and trouble and hardships, but but God has been with them through that. That's a promise that God makes tonight uh, as we look at this passage. In 1952, a man named Jim Elliott and four other American missionaries were sent to Ecuador to reach the indigenous tribes Of the jungles there in Ecuador. They would all five of them be killed. By the very people who they were trying to reach with the gospel. Those people that they were sent to witness to. To evangelize to. To share the good news of Jesus with. When they found their journals. And read their journals after they'd been killed. There were indications based on their journal entries. That the men understood. That they might well be harmed. Or even worse than that. Though they were bold in their faith. And their calling to proclaim the gospel. We must wonder what caused these men to be so bold in their faith. To leave their families and loved ones behind. To follow the calling of God. Jim Elliot wrote in one of his journal entries. This quote. He says he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep. To gain that which he cannot lose he's talking about the calling that was placed upon his life and these other missionaries life to go and reach these people for jesus with the message of the gospel and they were killed for it and so we'd ask a question as we come he says because these missionaries understood two things which led them to be bold they understood the message they proclaimed but they also understood the god whom they served that it's not an easy gospel that we have. It's not an easy gospel to preach. It's often, for some people, not an easy gospel to believe. But it is a powerful gospel that changes people's lives. It turns people's lives upside down. Uh, but the gospel is this, and we have to understand this from the outset here that the gospel is a sending and a proclaiming message it's a public message in our nation tonight we are afforded the freedom of doing this of you have the freedom to come to church to worship and you have the freedom to sit and listen to the preaching of the word and hopefully you'll stay to the end I have the freedom to proclaim the gospel to preach about Jesus Christ we have that freedom here he says that that doesn't happen around the world everywhere in every country as we know and as we come to the story here we must understand that the message that we have is a public one it's not a private one it's not something that we have to keep secret and hidden as though it would be for a select few church is the only organization when you look at it when all of us, as we, I look out tonight, and you maybe look around tonight, the, all of us from all these different backgrounds, all these different countries, all these different experiences, all these different educational, intellectual abilities, we, we all gather together, uh, we have one thing in common, uh, and it's Jesus Christ. Because at some point in our life, we heard the public proclaiming message of Jesus and how it can change somebody's life, and we accepted it and it changed our lives. And if people had kept that hidden and secret, then who knows what might have happened? Who knows when we would have got to hear it? But thank goodness that it's a public proclaiming message, one that we are sent out to speak and to share because we still believe it changes people's lives the world needs Jesus Christ more than ever doesn't it when we look at the the horrors sometimes and the despair and the hopelessness that people have and the alternatives that people would look at and say this is what life is about and yet we know that the message of Jesus Christ and the power of the gospel is the one thing that changes people's lives. It gives people a hope, as we will see tonight. It gives people an eternal destiny this evening. But Jesus, as he gathers his disciples, and we're going to read the passage in a second, he doesn't want his disciples to respond to the persecution, to the trouble that's coming in, in misplaced fear. It simply means their fear was in the wrong place. And when we will look at this. He, says they, he gives them three promises he says to them really the persecution will happen you'll face trouble he says he repeats it again in john uh, before we go to the cross in 16 16 verse 33 in john in this world you will have trouble but take heart i have overcome the world and so jesus presents his promise going to say there's going to be trouble there's going to be persecution the second thing is persecution is a weapon of the enemy the christians will get attacked the church will come under fire it says these very disciples as they go out they will uh, come under fire and be attacked but this third truth is this is persecution should never stop the gospel being preached it should never stop the message that we have going forward for we believe in the power of it Jesus wants them to expect it but to do so with the confidence he has promised them that they will be vindicated and sustained and helped as they preach the truth about him john 10 for the passage for tonight uh, 26 to 31 says these words this is therefore do not fear them for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known whatever i tell you in the dark speak in the light what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops and do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin, and are not one of them forced to the ground apart from your father's will, but the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Those are theme these five verses it's mentioned three times it's three words it says do not fear Jesus uses it in this uh, passage as I say those three times see when we are told to fear not to fear sorry it is grounded in some truth some foundation that eliminates the need for us to be afraid are you ever driven in a car or got in a car with somebody and they turn around to you and say don't worry I'm driving And the first thing you do is worry, because you know what a terrible driver they are. And you're probably thinking of somebody now, and as I often say, somebody may be thinking of you. And it says, uh, and, and you see, this is the problem here. It says actually, when we say, do not fear or do not worry, it has to be grounded in something solid. It has to be grounded in some truth and here Jesus says three times because he's giving three examples to the disciples before he sends them out as to what they're going to face he says do not fear and you see when it comes to fear he says we have to understand that at times we will have a misplaced fear we will look at it and say our fear is in the wrong thing Jesus is telling them here this is why you do not need to fear this is why you can have your trust and your confidence in me Jesus is describing often what the Old Testament calls the fear of the Lord it's not terror or panic often people have described it as a, as a healthy kind of fear or almost a, a, a reverence for God uh, almost that that respect that says well actually you know God is free to do whatever it is that he wants to do the godly fear involves that and as i say we would call it reverence and we acknowledge that god can and do do will do what he pleases because he is god he does not answer to us we do not reason with him or negotiate with him when jesus sends them out here he gives them the three reasons why they need not to fear as they share the gospel as they go out and reach people for him but it gives them in a sense that the, the actually God is the one that you need to fear not the ones who persecute because the reality is he's saying this to them he said listen all they can do is destroy the body you know listen as believers if all they do is destroy the body He says, we know where we're going. We know who we're going to spend eternity with. That's almost like the the example that he's using. He's saying, actually, don't fear, because I'm sending you out, but the confidence that you have that even if these people attack you, even if these people kill you, he says, listen, you can hold on to this, that you have the proper fear of God, that God knows what is going to happen you you don't need to respond with a misplaced fear of what happens to me if this happens to me what's the consequence if this happens Jesus simply says do not fear and then repeats it again and says do not fear Jesus teaches here that there is a place called hell there's a terrifying reality of continuous torment and punishment reserved for the ungodly when we go out and preach a message and we've seen the heaven's gates and hell's flames and we've heard the preaching life at the end of the day is about a choice and a decision that people make about where they spend eternity that's the reality of it we may feel uncomfortable about that that may not be a message we want to preach as believers or as a church but it's a reality because it's spoken of here and what do we do with that Because our existence doesn't end at death but continues forever in the presence of God or in the place of punishment or torment. See we may find it unpleasant or difficult to understand but the truth of it is this and all preachers will tell you this we submit to the authority of the word of God. There are parts of the word of God that are uncomfortable There are parts of the word of God that we don't want to speak sometimes because it addresses things that we don't want to address and it addresses death and it addresses what happens after that. The Bible makes it very clear what will happen and Jesus speaks about it here in these verses and we can look at all the other alternatives but there is still that that decision, that choice that we have to make. It happens to us after we die. He says, what happens to us? Our eternal destiny is decided this side of death. And he says, for so many people, they want to ignore it. They want to say, well, no, we that will not happen to me. That, and the unexpected happens. And something happens, and it makes them think that, what happens to me afterwards? He says, Jesus makes it very clear. He says, what happens after? And we must keep in mind the whole word of God that it is not God's desire that any should perish to keep people out of that I wonder if God has done something to keep people out of that maybe to give them a choice or to give them a decision of something that they could accept well I think he does because he's grounding that do not fear about what happens to you with this John 3 verse 16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish should not perish but have everlasting life i mean what a i mean the most famous verse in the bible if we can call it that and it just speaks that truth should not perish it's not that god hasn't done something god has done something and he's done it for you and for me and, and that's the idea of it here to keep people out of hell he's done this sent his son jesus just to confirm it uh, 2 peter writes in 2 peter 3 verse 19 he says the lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness instead he is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance what does he want he, says he doesn't want anyone to perish he says, there's the truth of it again. He gives to each and every one of us as why we shouldn't fear. And we gathered here and we said, this is what God has done. It cannot just be about when we turn around and say, well, oh, it's just all about the love of God. This is the love of God. This is the love of God that His desire is that none should perish, but an opportunity for us to take hold of what He has done for us because He loves you and me see the judgment of eternity gives us great confidence in God's ultimate justice those who seem to cheat justice here will never cheat it in eternity everybody will answer everybody there, there won't be any where God didn't believe in you while I mean I have nothing to answer for after we will all answer uh, and Jesus gives the disciples a promise of why they shouldn't fear he says listen even if they take your body he says if you've made that decision Live for me, live for God. He says your eternity is secure. He says your eternity is safe. It's assured because of that. And he presents that same choice with it to us tonight as he balances that proper fear with the truth that this same God also cares deeply for His people, that they matter. You know, when Jesus sends his disciples out to preach the message. That he has already done. That we've looked at in Matthew. The heart of it is this. That people simply matter to him. I mean that's it. He says if we cut through the theology. And all the doctrine. And all the stuff sometimes. That people get bogged down with. We read it. That people just matter to Jesus. As he sees people. As he's walking on a journey. From village to village. And they're blind. He heals them and he gives them a sight back. His friends. is preaching in a house one day and four friends bring their friend lying on a mat because he's paralyzed and they can't get in so what they do is take the roof off the place and lower him down. Jesus heals him. He says why? Because he's letting the world know that verse that we've said for God so loved the world he sent Jesus but he sent Jesus because people matter. And, and you know the kingdom of God is being ushered in here in Matthew in the gospel of Matthew but the kingdom of God is about God's love for people it's about how He feels and what he's done for people and he says that truth has not changed as we sit in here tonight we, we can't change that and, and we look at it and say that here we we see that, that he's sending them out and the reason why he's sending them out to 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 make their lives, in a sense, better, but also to declare the message that he has for them. And though the trouble will come and the persecution will come, I mean, nobody's ever preached a more amazing message than Jesus, and they crucified him for it. You know, I mean, it was a message just to help people. Just, I mean, uh, most churches today operate in that way, don't they? you genuinely want to help people and and share Jesus with people because they've witnessed how Jesus has changed their life and your life and and they want to share that with people who don't know Jesus yet because believing that what he's done in my life and your life he can do in their life I mean, not that makes sense but but it does make sense in a sense if you sense what I'm saying All right? he says that's the truth of it Christ adds here That this proper relationship with God does not rest solely on the fear of God's power to destroy. It springs from this confidence in God's care. Christians should trust him because he is watching and aware of them and will provide for them regardless of the circumstances and situations they face Oh I would love it had the day I got saved when I was 21 in 1993 and at that point when I got saved I thought to myself that's it. Life will be easy now. There will be no more challenges. There will be no more times when I will question my faith or doubt. There will be no more times when bad things happen to good people. I will wonder God what is it you're doing There'll be times in my life that we will look at as you will look at and say, God, would you just give me an explanation? Would you just give me the reason? Would you just give me an answer? And he doesn't. But he's still in control. Because above all of the answers and the explanations and the reasons, I know the care that he has. I know the concern that he has. I know who I belong to. I know who you belong to if you have put your trust in. Because this truth that stands out as it comes through this passage is this. God does not love us because we are valuable. We are valuable because God loves us. He says that's the truth of it. He says, when Jesus gathers the disciples to send them out, sending them out to share a message, tell the world that, that God loves them. This is how they'll know that God loves them, because he'll meet their need and he'll heal them and he'll touch them and he'll set them free. He says, this is what Jesus has come to do. He said it from the beginning, set the captives free, claim freedom for the prisoners, light, you know, to move people from darkness to light, all that stuff that he was going to do but he moves on then, and Jesus says, he simply says, well, you're more valuable than the sparrows, he said, why did he say sparrows, I mean, he could say any, I mean, a sparrow, and so I thought to myself, I thought, I'll do what every good Bible student does when it comes to find out what it means, I'll google it, so uh, I googled it, and said, why a sparrow, and a sparrow was the most worthless of birds, it was the smallest bird, Somebody described it as when you cooked them. It was like the modern day buffalo wings, if you know what I mean. See, some of you understand that. Some of you always understand the food illustrations. And anyway, So a sparrow is a very small bird, but it, it was like the cheapest bird. It, it was like the smallest, the cheapest. It was for those people who were really the poor of the poorest. Those people who were the bottom of, of, of rung of society and it's an example used here it simply says to the people you're more valuable than the sparrows huh? it says more valuable than the sparrows it says god takes care of these the smallest tiniest most worthless birds not one of them falls to the ground unless it's god's will how much more does he love you and care for you This is now about bumping up our self-esteem it's not about giving us confidence in in a sense other than how God feels about us and what God has done for us but Jesus uses the example to show the value that's placed upon us by God but he does it again when he refers to God as your father and he makes it clear to the disciples that God sees them as his children I mean wouldn't that wonderful the worship there just that's a couple of songs I am a child of God. What a declaration. I am a child of God. If I could sing, I would sing it. But I can't sing, so I won't ruin your night. But here it says, child of God. Sees them as a children in a personal relationship. They need not fear the wrath of the persecutors. Because God is watching. God is the one that is showing interest in them. God is the one that is sending them. God is the one that has given them the value. And Jesus even declares this. He says, Father God even knows the number of hairs on somebody's head. God cares about the smallest details of our lives. There is nothing that doesn't concern him. So the reason they do not fear is because Jesus is giving them the confidence in what God has said about them, how valuable they are, the care and the concern that God has for them. And the truth of it, the same words are spoken there by Jesus to the disciples, the same word that God speaks to you tonight. How valuable you are to him. He says, "Even more valuable." He says that the sparrows. He sees the sparrows falling. Oh, you're more valuable than that. You think you're worthless because you do not see your worth in what God has done for you in Jesus Christ, and His worth is shown in, in ultimately Christ going to the cross for you. But we see it here that He simply is not only concerned with the big issues we face or our victories. Or how successful we are. It's our failures. And our mistakes. The things we do wrong. And the things that we get wrong. He is aware of all of that. Still points down to us. And say. Still my child. He's still mine. He says. I place my value not on you. Because of what you've done. But because of not who you are. But because of who you are he says that's what he does here with the disciples you can probably sense this idea of them being fearful i mean fear is a strange thing isn't it fear is just we're all afraid of something for years i was afraid of flying I'm still afraid of flying he says but i realize as i get on a plane and it goes up there It's coming down one way or another. So (laughs) they need not fear. But all fearful of something. And you see the truth of it is this. For us not to fear. It has to be grounded in something. And you see the disciples grounding and foundation here. Is in the truth of what God has done. And what God has said about them. It's important to notice here because this is what we would do Jesus never promises his disciples you're not having any suffering there'll never be any hard times he says everybody will accept you preaching the word he doesn't say any of that because it's not a promise he can give and Jesus only gives the promises that he can keep and he's given the promises that he can keep by saying three times do not fear and the reasons why but he doesn't give them those promises because Jesus knows when they go out on this time, and we heard this morning that this is probably a short-term mission, but further on, Matthew 28, when he sends them out into all the world to make disciples, that Jesus doesn't give them any promises other than this, I'll be with you, I'll be with you. Then what about the hard times, what about the trouble, what about the persecution, what about the beatings, what about all the other stuff like that? And Jesus can't promise that those things won't happen. He just promises, I'll be with you. He says, but he knows that's enough. So regardless of what we face and what we go through, the promise that we hold on to is God is with us. They're given these warnings that persecution will come. Jesus' point is the same God who notices the sparrows, notices the struggles of his people the struggles of the disciples and the struggles of you here tonight that often at times when we go through the hard times what we look to is this is God you have forgotten about me God I'm here but I don't feel as though you're listening to me or answering me but God is he notices us in our struggles he sees us in the difficulties that we go through He sustains us and carries us when we don't realise we're being sustained and carried. And they will see this. The disciples as they face this challenge here. They will see as well that that when they die, it says they will be ready to welcome them into eternity. There is a wonderful thought about the Christian life. That gives us a security and assurance And you will notice this when you come across people who are saved and they pass away. It's not the end. It's not the end. There is a glorious hope and a truth spoken of, of where they will go to after they die. Because of the decision that they have made about their eternal destiny, this side of heaven. And I implore you tonight because of what's been said not to go out of this building because you do not know what will happen this week. You do not know what tragedy will befall and this is not me bringing bad news to you. None of us know the future. we sung in the song there. We, we do not know what the future holds but we do know who holds the future. So we have to ask a question tonight for each and every one of us. Where is our trust and our confidence tonight? We do not need to fear tonight if our trust and our confidence is in God. Regardless of what may happen, God is in control and looking after us. You only have that assurance if you belong to God. If you can declare that you are a child of God. That's the only assurance that you can have. That's the message of the gospel. It's a message... Of what Jesus sent the disciples out to do. And it's a message that we have tonight. I implore you tonight as we come to the end. As we finish with a worship song. To take advantage tonight. Of God knocking on the door of your life tonight. It is not an accident that you are in church tonight. It is not an accident you have been coming to church for a few weeks now. God is knocking on the door of your life. And his desire is that you do not perish. But you have the choice. Those who believe in him will have everlasting life. It is a decision and the choice that everybody makes. And we have to present that tonight. We have to come and say this is why it matters. But preaching changed five or six years ago. Not that it got any better. There's somebody in the church for dedication. And when it came to the dedication and you preached the, the message. And it's a great time to plant seeds and do all of that. A couple of months later the young man who was in. The dedication took his own life. He was deeply, deeply upset at first he had taken his own life and hadn't had the opportunity in a way to share more of the gospel with him but second thing and most important was this when I stood here on that Sunday at the dedication he says did I tell him about Jesus Christ the love that he had for him and the decision that he had to make this side of eternity and it gripped me for weeks and it changed the way I preached, because I thought if people come in, we'll want to leave them with something that says not only that God loves you, but you have the choice and the decision that you need to make about your eternal destiny, about what happens to you when you die, and if you die. And God's desire as he presents it to you is he doesn't want you to perish because he loves you because you are valuable to him. But he won't come where he's not wanted. He will not force his way in. And so the opportunity is just left for each and every person tonight while we're here. And that's what I believe that the passage is saying that Jesus sends the disciples out. The security and the confidence that they can have, but you can have this evening. Our prayer room is available after the service. I will be at the back. Lisa will be at the back. Others will be at the back. We would love nothing more to pray with you tonight, to tell you more about Jesus Christ tonight. And if you want to make that decision tonight, please come and speak to us. He says it will change not just your life, but your eternal destiny as well let us pray Father God we come tonight and Father no, oh, we look at it and say we we're addressing Lord what happens Father after each and every one of us die Father the most important thing is your desire is that none should perish that, that, that nobody needs to be ruined nobody needs to go to where you don't want them to go. Because Lord you have sent your son. You have proclaimed the message. Through your people. You have declared your love. You have shown your value. To each and every person who listens. And Lord it's now up to us. God I thank you. The greatest decision. That I ever made. Was the one. To put my trust. My faith. My life in you. Lord, that I believed what you had done for me. And though I didn't believe that I could be forgiven, you forgave me because you pointed me to your son at the cross and says he did it all for you. Father, let that be the prayer tonight of people in this place. Lord, as you move now at the end of our service as we sing, the God, we just allow your spirit to move, Father God, upon lives in here. Continue to speak, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen.